Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We are at Husky Stadium, another Chamber of Commerce day with the temperatures in the low 80s. And that's pretty much what we're going to see for the next five to ten days, it looks like. But uh, sunny skies with a little bit of white clouds up there and getting bombed by the Blue Angels uh, who are in town for, Buzz, for Seafair. Yeah, the, the tower got buzzed a few times today. It, yeah, no, it's kind of funny when we were trying to do post-interviews and they fly over and everybody stops and looks. So uh, just absolutely gorgeous day uh, here again at Husky Stadium and we're anticipating that. So we get uh, yesterday, today, we get Saturday, Sunday, and then we get two more practices next week before... Uh, practices are actually closed down for us today, except for except there's for, two more. There's yeah. two more after that, but they're one, like on a Tuesday, Tuesday and a Wednesday, Wednesday, like the following week. And we talked yesterday about sometimes, uh, you know, practices are geared more towards the offense. Sometimes they're geared more towards the defense. The defense looked different today. Yeah, I mean, and again, without knowing what their <coughs> practice plan was and everything like that, it certainly it certainly felt like if you just looked it and took it as a whole that they were really trying to attack with pressure at the line of scrimmage. So it could have been a day where they were installing some some blitzes and some stunts and some, you know, dogs and things like that and who knows, but they certainly made life a lot tougher for for Penix and and Demo for I'll sure. T- I'll tell you what, if we want to know what the practice schedule is, we really should ask Nick Sheridan's son <laughs> cuz he was walking off with his headset in the play sheet like right there <laughs> yeah. as he was walking off of the field. But, no, I mean, back as to As if what, we could make heads or tails yeah, of it anyway. Yeah, I know. Half the time it's like, uh, what? Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the defense, I thought they were much more jazzed up. Um, that first uh, session when, uh, you know, they kind of just get the blood flowing by doing one series with the ones, one series with the twos. And um, the, the defensive backs were talking. They were, they were barking a lot. At, at the wide receivers, uh, the linebackers were flowing to the ball really well and, and getting in running lanes. I, I, I thought it was a very spirited start to the practice. Well, I saw one period where it was a team period, and I saw where Jack Westover was responsible for handling pressure off the edge, and Powell came off the edge, and he kind of cleaned him out, which allowed Penix to duck underneath and run mm-hmm. where Westover had been. And, but it, they were heading towards the defensive sideline. And he kind of cleaned him out a little bit. And then, obviously, me starts chirping a little bit. Westover tells him to get over to line of scrimmage. And then, all of a sudden, the offense starts chirping. Defense starts chirping some more. Yeah, kind of typical day two stuff where I think things are starting to get sorted out a little bit. Yeah, one of the things we have a tough time gauging right now because there's just no contact is the defensive line. But had a chance to talk to MJ Ollie after practice. What did he show up here, Scott? He was close to 370. Three, he was 360, 365, somewhere in there. It's, he said today after practice he weighed in at 317. Yeah, he has no gut. He he actually has transformed his body much like, I'm not saying he's going to have the career, but much like, jeez. Uh, uh, Danny Shelton? No. Vita Vea? Vita. Vita, when he got here. Because he, he had that big, rotund body. Girth, yeah. Yeah, he was just a big guy. And then when you saw him later on, you're like, he looks like a guy who's in a 260 range, but he was carrying about 320 pound pounds. Well, he hasn't lost any in his calves. No. His calves are still they're as still big massive. as my head. Yeah, yeah. Massive. But uh, you know, to talk, can you, like I said, we it's hard to gauge on the defensive line when we don't see the contact. But 
they uh, moved Voy out to end. Uh, how do you feel about the interior of that defensive line? I asked Anoki, and he says he's got six or seven guys, and he says he feels comfortable with that. Yeah, and, and I talked to Schmidt, and he said the same thing. One of the reasons that they made the move with Voy outside is he could use a little more depth at his position, and the interior, um, they felt pretty good about the five or six guys that they had for the rotation there. You know, um, it, one of the things that you, we saw today was M, MJ Ale was doing most of the running with the ones, and Fa'atui Tuatele and Tuli Legasanoa, those guys were the ones that rotated. MJ was the, the standard. He was always in there. And uh, so you watch him, uh, those other two guys, both vets. Uh, I talked I talk to both of those other two guys, by the way, so there will be interviews with those coming up. But, um, you know, they like the Parkers. They think the Parkers could be really, really good down the line. Armand Parker was struggling toward the end. He was on the, he was on the sidelines, bent over. I thought he was going to show us what his breakfast was. <laughs> you know, I, he, looked, he looked like he was pretty worn out. But, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of those, those, guys, those big guys, those interior guys, they feel like they've got a good group. You, you know, he's saying that the coaches say they feel comfortable and they think they've got a good group. Is that coach speak? Or are you just comfortable with that interior defensive line, as they seem to be telling us? Well, in talking to Coach Nosh today, because I talked to him for a little bit, I asked him specifically about the Parkers and whether or not it was like the recruiting intent to try to keep them together as a pair inside, just, you know, they know each other's game inside and out and those types of things. From the outside looking in, it would seem to make sense, right? And he goes, absolutely not. He goes, all I know is that Armand Parker um, approached us. We looked at his film. We loved him. And then all of a sudden we saw the twin, and we're like, who's that guy? And we're like, oh, yeah, that's my twin. He said, okay, well, we'll get you too. Mm -hmm. And so it was simply a matter of a two-for-one almost instead of getting them as, as a pair because – you look at the ones right now, it's clearly MJ Ale and Thule, and then the twos are Fatu Tuatele and Jacob Bandis with mm -hmm. the Parkers as the three. And then Elenius Davis, he's got the neat thing. He's obviously still just coming back. I, I don't know how – they'll probably try to get him in four games if they can to keep his red shirt, but I don't see him playing much beyond that in 2020. If, if In 2023. Yeah. But let's also remember, too, one of Voice calling cards was that in the pure passing situations, he was the nose. And we, I asked him a little bit about that last year, and he kind of smiled. He goes, yeah, I mean, I did, I did a lot of stuff inside last year. And he goes, so that, that's going to come naturally to me. And Noakes reiterated, he said, hey, when it comes down to it, he's spending all his time with the edge guys right now because he needs to get up to speed. Simple fact is, if we make some base calls on the defensive line, we want him to step up and make a play. He'll do that because he understands that like the back of his hand. And Scott, you had mentioned that you thought Jacob Bandis had really uh, made a turn, and I asked uh, – Anoki about that, and he said, it, just kind of reading between the lines, it sounds like Bandis may have been struggling with the playbook a little bit last yep. year, but he looks so he looks different right now. Yeah, and did what did Anoki say? He just said that you know he just he's not going to say anything bad, but just reading between the lines, you know, he needed to learn the playbook. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I just I see a different guy running it. It isn't just him knowing the playbook more. It's how he physically looks. He's running better than he was. He's not as slow footed. He's not as um, you know, he's still, I said it yesterday, he still looks a little doughy, like he's got more girth than he really needs at this point, but he, he runs really well, and I think he moves really well, and I think the coaches are pretty encouraged by his progress. It's kind of crazy, because we're used to seeing guys, when you call it girth, you know, doughy or a belly, we just don't see much of that. Not much, no. Not as much as we have in previous No, what, one of the things I talked to, to Atele about uh, after practice was, 
uh, his bench and where it's at. It, he was at, what was it, 190 at one point or something? I mean, it was really low. And he said he's up to 245 now, yeah. which still is very low for a, for for a defensive power tackle. Power five defensive yeah. tackle that's exactly. that old. Yeah. But he said he's seen incremental increases you know, over the last year just working under McKeefrey because he told McKeefrey, I just can't bench anymore. And McKeefrey said, no, that's not true. We're going to help you get back up there. And um, he hopes to he hopes to be a, uh, that it's really going to help him because he's about 50 pounds stronger than he was before. Yeah, Kim, you talked about body types, and, and I asked Coach Noakes about that because I wanted to know what his kind of focus was when he came in last year and looked at the body types and what he wanted to see. And first thing he mentioned was length. He said, we wanted to get longer inside. So obviously getting a guy like MJ to switch over was a huge deal mm-hmm. for them. But then the other, I asked him about leaning out. I asked him about MJ leaning out. Guys like, even, even like Thule leaning out and stuff. He goes, yeah, that was huge. He goes, Coach Mack did a huge job, amazing job of getting these guys really kind of in shape and toned and stuff. So even though a guy like Bandis probably doesn't look as sharp as a guy like MJ or Thule or those guys, I think all of them, to a certain extent, minus Alinius Davis because he's still dealing with the injury, I think all those guys were healthy enough where they could really work out and lean. Yeah, just, you know, and maybe it's just because we're not paying that much attention or they don't have uh, pads and they're not making much contact. But uh, we haven't really, uh, I haven't really noticed the linebackers that much. Not that that's a bad thing. Yeah, um, today I was watching it. Um, Alfonso Tupatala, Eddie, Eddie uh, Ulofosio were the. Ulofosio. Ulofosio. Yeah, we uh, were in. Uh, for with the ones, Bruner and Gilforth were with the twos initially, but then I saw Alfonso rotate out, Bruner in. I saw Goforth come in and with Bruner with the ones. Yeah, team periods. Yeah, Tupatala wasn't doing anything, no. just like he did yesterday. yesterday. And then yeah. and then George, uh, Whitney is also yeah, was Whit- wearing yellow too. Yeah, Whitney was wearing yellow, but um, I saw Devin Bryant get in a few no. for some reps. I, I saw Drew Fowler get in there for a few. Fowler actually got a sack today, I T- think. Or he got a touch tackle, tackle for tackle, loss. Tackle for loss. Uh, oh yeah, on Richard Newton. Newton. That's right. Yeah, yeah. beat um, Worsh uh, inside, but yeah. um, you know I I thought that um, the linebackers were very active today. They just, you know, they're right now the, the big focus has been on the front four and, and, on, the, and on the secondary because yeah. of the, where things were with them last year. And, and the linebackers, I think everybody's pretty excited about. I just don't think they're worried about it, so they're not right. focused on it as much. Yeah, and then when we take a look back at the defensive backs, uh, especially the corners, um, it sure looks like Jabbar Muhammad's got one locked down, and yeah. then the other one. There's, I think, it's a pretty stiff competition. Yeah, I do too. I, I still think uh, the only way that Eddie or uh, Elijah Jackson is not the starter is if somebody takes it from him. I, I think it's his job right now to lose, and somebody's going to have to take it from him because he's playing really well. But when we take a look at Thaddeus Dixon, you know, coming in from a JC, he was a guy that kind of got lost in the COVID recruitment, went to the JC. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he looks like an uh, SEC, SEC, SEC corner. corner. Yeah, he's yeah. just big, strong. He's physical. He's got long arms. Uh, I he's not as good in one-on-one coverage. He he'd be better in a like a cover two defense, I think. But he he still will play a lot for Washington, and I think he's getting better at his man-to-man. Uh, another guy that we saw a lot today was Devon Banks. I mean, I was surprised how much I saw him today, and he looks a lot more. 
I don't know what to say. Comfortable. Yeah, it looks a lot more comfortable. That's a good way of saying it. That that he just looks like he knows what he's doing, where he's supposed to be, where he's supposed to go, and and he's playing it like that. Well, and then Leroy hurt, Br- Leroy Bryant got in there a lot yeah, too. Before he got hurt, Banks was the guy last year who was getting the ball back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the guy. If you wanted to get a turnover, he was the one that was going to get you the turnover. Yeah, and he did have that one against Arizona State. Uh, and I asked Coach Morrell today about Javion Green because you look at Javion Green and he's listed on Go Huskies at six two two oh seven. I think he's every bit that. And I'm saying, is he playing his way out of corner? Because he growing his way. At yeah, least, and, and he goes, well, we'll see what happens with Mother Nature. But yeah, I mean, if if there's certainly the way we cross train guys, he could certainly move to another position and be like a Dom Hampton or or something like that if push comes to shove. But um, you know, I'll tell you what, you mentioned Leroy Bryant real quick, mm-hmm. Scott. He looks good. The fill, the fill on the runs. Yeah. Um, there's a Byron Murphy in there yeah. somewhere. Yeah. It's not obviously it's not gonna come out yet, but there's little glimpses where it's like, oh, okay. You're yeah. not a big guy, but you're sticking your nose yeah. in there. That's interesting. Kim, you talked to Juice today. What did he have to say about his guys? Uh, a lot of coach speak. I mean, he's happy with Thaddeus and, you know, Jabbar. He's really locked in on. But uh, he, he mentioned that Curly Reed's really coming along and, you know, uh, Bryant's coming along. Mm-hmm. And then you had a chance to ask him about, you know, the boundary corner versus the field corner. What they're looking for, yeah. Yeah, kind of maybe, I don't know if you can put it in um, – Layman's terms for people well, to understand. You know, for, so the boundary corner is the side. It isn't necessarily the side that's closest to the boundary. It's the side where the tight end typically is. And so, if you're going to play boundary corner and that's where the tight end is, then you need to be a little more physical, a little bit bigger, and be able to play the run a little bit. And that's more. Thaddeus Green, or that, that's Thaddeus Dixon, and J- Dixon. Yeah. Thaddeus Dixon and JB on Green. Those are those guys. Then, if you've switched to the other side, it's called the field corner, and that's where it's more of an the open, open side space. where where you're where you're covering maybe one or two receivers that are on that side. Sometimes it's trips or whatever. But you're you're expected to be able to stop the run when it's called to that side. But more than anything, you're expected to cover and be able to run and cover. That's where guys the size of uh, Jabbar Muhammad, Leroy Bryant, Caleb uh, Caleb Presley, Presley, those guys are going to play. Curly Reed is more of a field corner. I'm sorry, more of a boundary corner. Whereas Reed or geez, Presley, yeah, Reed and, is almost 200 pounds. Yeah. Whereas Presley and um, Leroy, Bryant. Leroy Bryant are more of your traditional field corners. Yeah, moving over to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, again, the quarterbacks look good. Defense had their moments, but uh, you know, quarterbacks continue to look sharp. And I think what's interesting is, or um, last year we saw three quarterbacks splitting the reps. Uh, it's pretty obvious that Penix is getting most, and then Dylan Morris is getting the next most, and then nobody else is getting Not anything. Right now. Well, Not I, right now. To be honest with you, I think it's more 50-50. I think it's pretty mm. much first reps or mics and second reps or demos and, and I think yeah, they're just going back and forth. And yeah. then if and then if it's the threes, sometimes they'll put a penix in. I with saw the threes, Alex but, Johnson get some snaps today. Yeah, did but you? it wasn't yeah it wasn't he, in a team period. It wasn't was in it? team period. It was more yeah. in the seven on seven or no it was he was out there with the team but it was they were doing something Inside was so. it like nine versus? Oh no no was no it nine no. seven drill? No that no because that they don't do that till pads. That yeah. is uh, it was install. I'm sorry, that was install. Okay. My bad. I got you. Yeah, and I know you know the quarter packs can't be hit, but uh, it sure looks like Michael is a little bit more willing to pull yeah. the ball down and take off than last year. Where we, for example, I saw one today where he took off and maybe got a four or five yard gain. Where last season he would have thrown that out of bounds. So Mac Jones. Won the Heisman, right? Did yeah. he win the Heisman? He won the. Didn't Mac Jones win the Heisman when he played? I need. To, I'm just 
off, off the top of my head. I don't really pay attention to it that much. Stuff. Yeah, but um, uh, no, I think he would. No, Mac Jones didn't win it. I, he was just a high draft choice. Name the last quarterback that has won the Heisman without rushing for four or five hundred yards at yeah. least. I mean, most of the of the quarterbacks who've won the Heisman in recent years, just to, off the top of my head, Caleb Williams, um, uh, J. Uh, did Joe you, Burrow. You, Joe Bur- well, yeah, Joe Burrow. He did he he Joe won the Heisman. Can run. Yeah, he can run a little bit, but that wasn't really he wasn't a primary runner. But what I'm saying is, Michael Penix knows that he has to be more versatile as a quarterback. He you can't just he. First of all, he's not going to throw for five thousand yards. If he throws for five thousand yards with this team, that means Washington was coming from behind a lot. I think it, it, he's going to be somewhere around four thousand yards, and if he can throw for forty touchdowns and five interceptions or something like that, he's going to need, he's still going to need, in my opinion, he's still going to need to to run. See, now I'm going to ask you the stat. Didn't he just break Cody Pickett's record for single season last yes. year? And Cody Pickett threw for 45, almost 4,600 yards. So yeah. it's not that far off. Well, I think the running game is going to be more effective, and then in addition, the games are going to be shorter because of the clock uh, change rule. Yeah, well, that'll help. Again, the game planning, I don't know what the practice planning was for either side. I will say, obviously, I think both Demo and Mike were running a lot more today. Could have been a function of upfield pressure, just more consistent upfield pressure. Um, but I think, down the field. But like I said, I wanted to make sure on the, on, the, on the practice blog to make sure people understood this is not necessarily a bad thing. Because, like you said, Scott, he that part of his game where he needs to maybe fine-tune his decision-making on when he does need to tuck it instead of trying to extend. Because as we saw in the Oregon game, he almost lost that game because he extended that play way too long and ended up throwing a pick in the, uh, near the end zone. And so you, he just needs to understand sometimes it's better to just give up, take your three or four yards, and live to play another down. A lot of teams in the Pac-12, the fans like to say that if Michael Penix goes down, uh, Washington's season is over. It's, it's not over, but... Dylan Morris is... Dylan still, Morris is playing well. I'm not saying that, but Dylan Morris is not Michael well, Penix. Who, who, what team has lost a Heisman Trophy candidate and all of a sudden yeah. just yeah. next guy's up like it's not a problem? I wouldn't say, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a death... I mean, it's not a huge valley difference between the two. They're not going to go from 8-4 and four to 4-8. Four and eight, no. no. But they could go from like 10-2 and two to maybe like 8-4. and four. Yeah. I mean, you could see that. Yeah, it's just... There, there were games. There were, there were things that Michael Penix was able to do with the ball that I just don't know if Dylan Morris is that guy. And that's not a knock on Dylan Morris. It's just what makes Michael Penix so special. Well, again, we, you were talking about the play to, to Boston today over JV on Green, reminding me of the play he made to Polk last year out of Oregon. Yeah. Um, not the Taj Davis. The Taj Davis one. That's an NFL yeah. throw. That's a whole different yeah. level. No, you're talking about, I'm the, talking one about where, the one where and where uh, what's his face hit Justin him late. Flo hit him yeah. late. Yeah. Or was it just? Yeah, yeah. it was just Flo. Yep. To be honest with you, those are plays that Dylan Morris can make. The problem is we just haven't seen him make it yet, and so we just don't know what the what the situation is going to be like with that. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, are these things that Dylan Morris can do? Absolutely. But until he actually is being asked to do it, and he has to do it on a regular basis, it's going to be a question that is going to need to be answered. Fans like to, you know, when something starts to go a little bit sideways, they like to uh, have concerns and worry about stuff. But uh, taking a look at number seven, Dylan Johnson, I don't know if it's time to be concerned or definitely something to keep an eye on, but we're not seeing much of him, and he was in the treatment tent quite a bit again today. Yeah. 
I mean, there's nothing really else to say. He didn't do any. He hardly did anything other than the position drills. And it's disappointing, too, because he did stuff yesterday. Yep. And it looked like, okay, he's, now, fit, he's ready it, to go. Is that a function know. of them just wanting to get more reps? for? But I didn't see Sam Adams getting any reps today. Yeah. The ones I, I did. saw. I, yeah. okay, I, did. I, I saw Daniel Nagata. The guys that I saw got reps today, is, it, it, you know, Cameron Davis, again, not necessarily one reps, but he would get one reps down the road. He wasn't the first guy out there. It was typically Will Nixon. Um, Adams was getting some stuff. Richard Newt was definitely getting some reps. And Gotti got a little bit of reps. At toward the end. But again, yeah. I think, to be honest, it's still Cameron Davis's world and everyone else is playing catch-up. Well, I anticipated Dylan Johnson being the number two guy. And, you know, it may not be anything. And the thing that was more concerning was just when he was in and out of the treatment tent, just his body language and the look on his face. He just didn't look comfortable. Yeah, hard to hard to say. I, I, I don't want to speculate too much. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But a uh, couple couple guys left the lineup because they looked like they tweaked something, but they were back out there. To me, yeah, Klepo, you, well, Bulo the two offensive linemen were Bulo and Kleppo, but again, I, to me, it just looked like they were. It was probably just dehydrated, cramped up. Yeah, whatever and it was. I Bulo was, Bulo went back in. Yeah, Bulo and Kleppo both went yeah, back in eventually. there, and Tuatele went down really awkwardly and he came back. Came up, but he came back in too. So. Play of the day, Dylan Morris. No, no. Michael Penix. No, Penix to was Boston. Was Penix who threw that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right, it was. But that Penix, Penix to Penix throw Boston. Was... Oh, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, you talk okay. about. Just I... real quick, let me set it up. Boston is six foot four. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when you watch, you know, a bomb, what you ideally want to see is a, bo- a ball that's got some air under it. And then a receiver not breaking stride, mm-hmm. and that's what that was. Yeah, well, it was basically just like uh, Jalen Polk last year against Oregon. I mean, he it was the same route. It was the same. He beat both He both the safety and the corner. And, Although I don't really remember yeah. who the safety was. Yeah, the safety I just did. Green was the one that was yeah. closest, and he yeah. was maybe three or four yards behind. Yeah. He wasn't. He didn't get completely burned, but he wasn't making a play. Yeah, and, but I mean, even if he was in the tightest coverage you could have, the way that it was thrown, there was no way he makes a play on that ball. Boston he, went and got it. Yep. He, he, Penix could have thrown that ball ten more times, and he would not have thrown it in stride like that. Yeah. And, and whether it's coming from a lefty and it just looks nicer that way, I don't know. It's but again, pretty. to catch someone in perfect stride, and for a guy like Boston to be able to time it up where his eyes are seeing it, and he could stride literally right into it and catch it where he could have gone for another 50 yards and it wouldn't have gotten caught. Mm-hmm. Um, that's impressive. Yeah, Boston's having a nice two days. He has so far. Yeah, yeah. so it's definitely something to keep an eye on. It's going to be tough to find uh, find uh, catches. He and Jeremy Bernard are going to have to be very patient this year. Yeah, it's not it's not your year. This is not the year you're going to get a hundred targets. Yeah, you're going to get fifty, maybe. And you're probably going to have 35 catches. And then you may be preseason all-conference. Yeah, because everybody knows what's going to happen. But the problem is you want to have Michael Penix thrown to you. So and, and we don't know who's going to be in front of him on that preseason all-conference because we don't know what conference they're going to be in. And, yeah, it was funny. Cause Good segue, I, by the way. Yeah, by the way, because I, I said it on the, on the thread. I said uh, Parker Brailsford looks like once he puts on some size, he could end up being all-conference. And I said, depending on... No matter which conference they end up playing in, so yeah, yeah. No, it was funny because I was down on the sidelines and uh, Galen DeBoer. He was <laughs> Galen came off the field. Guess why he came off the field? Get a drink of water, sunscreen. Yeah, the sunscreen, and he walks by me. He goes, "What conference are we in?" <laughs> I said, "Not sure yet." 
Stay tuned. So, but uh, is more on the offense before we dive into the realignment stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the offense before we dive into the realignment? No, I think stuff? we're good. I think we're good. We, I, I just think it was yeah. a lot more give and take between the offense and defense today, just in general. And, um, you know, credit to Penix and Morris because, you know, I think in a lot of times in the past when we've seen fall camps where maybe the defense is clearly ahead of the offense, it's just that the quarterbacks struggle, and they struggle consistently. With those guys, they may miss a play or two, or they may have to, they may have to let a ball go because they're getting pressured, things like that. Those guys, in, invariably, they will come back and just throw a dart to somebody mm-hmm. down the road because it's just they have shown themselves to be just that. Yeah, good. well, um, and Dylan Morris, I don't want to downplay him. He threw one past, uh, I forget who the DB was, but Owen Coots. Oh, it was a. Uh, well, there was one. There was one where he threw a pass, Vince Nunley. Yeah, that where Nunley basically yeah. he. I mean, it was a fingertip. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a finger. He couldn't have thrown it any better. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, just uh, want to make note of one other guy. The guy that if you didn't know anybody on this team and you were going to go down on the field and look at guys and go, which is the NFL guy? I think there's one guy that just kind of stands out physically and just the way he moves, athleticism and everything. And that's Devin Culp looks really good. And I agree with you that he looks really good. He looks like he could be an NFL guy. I disagree that he's the only one, but I, I think there's other guys who oh, look yeah. just as impressive as he does. But, um, yeah, I don't disagree with you, Kim. He looks like an NFL guy. He just need, I mean, Jack Westover caught most of the passes that I saw today. I didn't even see Josh Cuevas. I'm sure he was out he there. He did. He made a couple Yeah, I didn't. Stuff. but I didn't see a lot from him like I did the day, day one. So yeah. I mean, Colt made a, at least a play or two yesterday where – when he turned and exploded up the field, I was like, that's a different guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's not the Devin Culp I remember. What's his weight right now? 260? Like two, no, two, no, no, he's under 250, he's under isn't he? 240. Oh, he's under 240? He's under 240. Okay. He's like two, I wanted to say like 240. So is he making himself into an H-back then in the NFL? Um, good question, but I can tell you right now, Devin Culp is listed at 6'4", 237. He looks yeah. good. Yeah. He looks, looks really fantastic. Good. No, there's tons of guys that leaned out. Coach Mack, you talked a little bit about it this week. He's, they, they, made, they made a conscious effort to get these guys leaned out. I think there was a general thought when this coaching staff came in, including the strength and conditioning staff, when they came in last year, I think they thought that these guys were really big, but it wasn't a functional big. Ideally, big is not a problem. They want these guys to get as big as they can get but they do not want to sacrifice functionality. No. They do not want to sacrifice their ability to bend and move. With fall camp going on, you would think it would be the focus of the attention, but everybody's eyes is kind of over here with what's going on in the realignment. And, you know, I talked about, you know, where we're going down the funnel, you know, and a week ago we were at the top of that funnel, and, boy, we seem to be going down that funnel and narrowing real quickly because it uh, looks like the Washington Board of Regents has a meeting at 9 o'clock tonight. It looks like Arizona's got a Board of Regents meeting today. Um, Arizona State does too. I think. Yeah, so at nine o'clock at night, guys, is that just a function of the fact that this is an emergency thing, and this is yes. the only time they could have done it? Probably, probably yes. a Zoom and, call. And from what was at least put out on Twitter, that nothing is supposed to, no vote is supposed to happen from the Board of Regents. But I think it's more of just an informational. Hey, here's what's happening. But it sure looks like you know, with the numbers coming out, with the Apple money only being. 24 mil, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a little bit light. I, it, it sh- everything sure indicates that Arizona is going to make the move, and that's going to start the exodus. Then Arizona State, and then 
Utah, and then um, we'll probably see an offer made 100% to Washington. I think Washington will definitely get an offer. A lot of people are saying Oregon, but I got a source saying that the Big Ten is actually got a little bit of a preference for Stanford over Well, let's just Oregon. put it this way. This isn't just a decision by the Big Ten presidents, though. It's going to also include the networks. Right. And the networks are going to push for Oregon hard. Yeah. They're well. going to push for them hard. I'm not saying that it's going to definitely be Oregon, and I'm not saying it's definitely going to be Stanford. I'm saying that as much as Husky fans, you want to go over to the Oregon board and just have schadenfreude all day and watch that, um, if Oregon doesn't get picked up by the Big Ten, I will still be surprised. I will be surprised. Yeah, and just the reasoning behind, because I still think it's going to be Oregon, but the reason you know that's being touted about is, number one, Phil Knight's a very loud voice in the room, and there's some schools in the Big Ten that just don't want to deal with that. In addition, you know, bringing in a school like Stanford, and there's still the snobs in the Big Ten, just like there are mm-hmm. in the Pac-12 with the academics, and uh, bringing a Stanford in would be uh, more prestigious. Then, in addition, it would give this some of the, the big point. Some, some of the, well, one more, just some of the having access to the student populations to come in, and they can recruit to Michigan and you know some of those other schools. But the other big thing this is, is the Big Ten wants Notre Dame. And getting Stanford into the Big Ten might help lure Notre Dame into the Big Ten. And then you've got the TV market size as well. But I think probably the biggest thing is going to be that being able to get Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And and what I'm real interested in is... Because if you're talking to the TV executives, because the TV executives are going to look at... All they want is the eyeballs. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long Notre Dame's contract goes with NBC, but if you're able to get Notre Dame into the Big Ten and they can be on Fox and ESPN mm-hmm. instead of NBC every week, yeah. Well, choose one, Oregon or Well, not Stanford. just that. What would wouldn't that make NBC a possible bidder down the road for for TV rights too? Absolutely. So. The X factor for me guys is the fact that they think that they can get all this done before 2024. I just because I think there was a lot of thoughts you mean, that were saying you mean even the if moves apps actually happen. Yes, happened. because the bottom line is it really feels like because obviously Colorado's already moved. It certainly feels like your mark and the Big Twelve are going to try to get at least one more Pac-12 team in before 2024, likely Arizona. Arizona State's going to move with them. Utah sounds like Utah's going to move. All the Big all the Big Twelve moves are going to happen ahead of the 2024 season. And when that domino falls, all hell breaks loose. Now, all of a sudden, you've got Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. They have to move. Mm-hmm. They're, they, they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to move to another conference before 2024. I think the idea was is that I think the move from for Washington to the Big Ten was in the works for months now. It's been in the works for months. We started setting up little super conference ideas a week after USC and UCLA announced. So that, that thought's been out there. But I think, generally speaking, most people thought that that move wouldn't come until 2026 at the earliest. Now that time frame has been gone, and it's gone into warps. Do you know how long it would take for that to get done? I don't know how long it would take it, for it to get done. It will take as much time as they have. If they have three months, they'll get it done. If they have three years, they'll get it done. I'm just, But I'm just saying, if you look at USC and UCLA right now, and all of a sudden, you're you thought that you were having this big coup, and you're getting out of the 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 thumb of the, of the Pac-12, and now all of a sudden you've got at least two more Pac-12 teams coming right behind you. 
for the in the same year. Now, granted, it sounds like at least if the reporting is accurate that Washington and Oregon or Washington and Stanford, whoever the the teams are, they're going to be coming into the Big Ten at like a half share mm-hmm. or maybe sixty percent of a share. Yeah, and even even that still almost triples what Washington or Oregon or Stanford could have got. At least the, double. Yeah, at least at double. least double. So, You're yeah. right about that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but well, real quick. So the the thing is though. If they're going to make the move, one of the things that I've heard about is uh, basketball and football are relatively easy from a scheduling standpoint. It's the Olympic sports that's really making it hard and why they didn't want to bring in more schools, why they wanted to figure out USC and UCLA before that. My opinion, if you're going to get this done, get it done now so it's all a big hit from the Olympic sports standpoint right away instead of... A little bit here and then a little bit there. And what I about wrestling? About, and ice I, hockey? Yeah. And all I talked, these other things? I talked about this yesterday, you know, where I'm hearing that USC and UCLA desperately want at least two more West Coast mm-hmm. schools because travel for those Olympic sports. And so, like I say, you know, can mm-hmm. you imagine the UCLA, UCLA softball team in Ames, Iowa in March where it's 23 degrees? But just the travel is going to be a nightmare. And the money it would save by having an additional two teams on, uh, two teams on the West Coast? and possibly four teams on the West Coast, mm-hmm. it's going to be a huge money saver for the West Coast schools. Now, if the numbers are working out the way that we've seen, and it sounds like Big Ten teams are going to be making upwards of $100 million per school as of 2025, I don't think you're going to find a lot of people are going to be really feeling too too yeah. hard done by with those teams having to maybe spend and, a little bit more to travel. And everything indicates that tomorrow could get wild. Yeah, so tomorrow or the weekend. I mean, if they want if they want to have the news cycle, it might even wait till Monday. But I think in the next, you know, 72, what, 96 hours. Yeah, and, and no one wants yeah. to stack full days more than me. Yeah. I want one, two, three, four, five. I want to just keep going. The fact that we have a day off from, from fall camp tomorrow – May end up just being an absolute blessing yeah, in we, disguise well, for us. Oh, day off from camp, but yeah, it's but not like we're going to be no, sitting. No, what, what, what I'm saying nothing. is, we aren't going to have to literally have one ear on yeah. what the realignment yeah, stuff is going, and one ear on practice, like well, we've had to today. We sit in a big, for the most part, we sit in a big gaggle of the sports writers yeah. in, in one relative area, right about the 50 yard line. And you guys weren't talking about practice. We, we were talking a little bit here and there, but a lot of it was about what's going to happen. Well, yeah, we had our eye focused somewhere else. And so. Kim, how many calls did you get about it? Well, while we were just sitting there, well, I got a bunch of emails, text messages, and phone you, calls. Well, you got phone calls. I did oh, yeah. see that. Oh well, so. yeah, and everybody's trying to listen to what I was saying. Yes, <laughs> you know, like I said, you know, I got you need a couple, to get up and walk away. I got a couple guys that are pretty well connected, you yeah. know. But and and I say people don't understand this. People say things. I know. And then guess what happens? Things change. That doesn't mean your information was bad. It just yeah. it's like recruiting. But Washington not, was a favorite yeah. for a recruit. Yeah. Two months later, guess what? Things change. They, they didn't even make the final, the top four. The other thing is, um, yes, but people, when people want a scapegoat, Kim, they're yeah. bent on finding a scapegoat, but the, and the that's thing, how it works. The other thing is too, just because it, you know, there's things change, but it's also. Um, just because you find out something doesn't mean that it needs to. It can go out. Yeah. You know because we need to keep things under wraps. We get texts and and stuff all the time about stuff going on. And well, we also keep, make sure that we understand that people know that there are things that we put on our front page, yeah. which we are a hundred percent sure about, as opposed to things we'll put on our message board, which are things that 
This is we're what we're only, hearing. We may only be yeah. uh, halfway sure and, of and or then, three quarters sure of. And then what I tend to do sometimes is I won't start a new topic. I'll kind of bury it in a thread. I've done that before. You don't, yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't want to. And then sometimes you just ask people what they're drinking. Well, yeah, that's always good. And then he so. says, and by the way, UW's going to yeah. Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, take a sip. Hey, yeah. let's wrap this up, Scott. Uh, uh, wrap it up. A uh, good second day. Um, it was fun. I, 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 you know, so we talk about what's taken our eyes. So we've got the practice in front of us. We're looking at Twitter and getting texts and phone calls and all that stuff. And then every time we start hearing the Blue Angels go by, everybody's got their phones ready to video them coming. Because the first time they buzzed us, it was pretty low. Yeah. But then after that, they weren't really doing anything. So it was... It, it was. It's a fun day. I love this time of year. Um, you know, uh, we, tomorrow is thirty days, or was today thirty days? Is it today? Was yesterday 30? was thirty days? No, today was thirty days. Okay, well, yeah, whatever. Why are you day. looking at me? <laughs> well, I because uh, my thing didn't, isn't going up till on Saturday. My fr- my first one for okay. the twenty nine days. Okay, but anyway, the countdown is going on, man. It's 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 hard to believe, man. We're we're so close to this. Wrap it up, Chris Fetters. Yeah, no, I thought it was a really good day. I thought the defense really showed itself up. I don't know if it was as a matter of, again, the, the, the plan of, of the practice or if it was just the, the players looking at the offense yesterday and going, yeah, we can't be having that. we got to have more pressure. we got to go get after these guys a little bit. we got to make it uncomfortable for them. And I think they did for the most part. Quarterbacks respond a little bit, a lot of give and take, a little bit of chippiness out there, which was good. And um, I think we'll see more of the same starting Friday. But – Again, when you've got the head coach of the team talking about 200, 300 level concepts that they're rolling through on day one of fall camp, and, and they were doing the exact same thing today, very little wasted motion. The only time I really saw them stand around or whatnot was when they were waiting for everyone to get water because it was nice and hot out there today. And uh, it's, it's just going to keep being nice and hot the next few days. So um, I expect more of the same, honestly, because the first few days have been really, really good. A lot of back and forth. Yeah. I, I, and, and by the way, I want to say I'm sorry we're slacking. Yeah. We're, we, don't, we had 136 posts in yesterday's practice thread. We yeah. only had 87 today. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get you guys more. Yeah, just a couple things. Well, day I, one's always. Yeah. I always yeah. notice the weird stuff. I thought it was kind of weird. We got defensive coaches and defensive players today, and Coach DeBoer's walking by like, you guys got anything for me? <laughs> He's always willing to talk to us, yeah. always. Uh, Ron McKeefe, the strength and conditioning coach, it was funny to see him just arms spread out along the edges of the ice bath. He was in the ice bath today, so it was good to see him. And hey, just a little bit of a shout-out to the equipment manager, Bart Fulmer. You're 40. This is his 40th year at UW as the so, equipment manager. So that takes him back to the to 1980, yeah. 83. Yeah. So if that's he was here for some glory days, man. Yeah. Also had a chance to talk to Kim Harmon a little bit. She's one of the uh, one of the doctors, and it's always good to see Kim Harmon. Uh, she's got her youngest at Dartmouth, and he's going to see the playing field at Dartmouth. Uh, so uh, she's got a couple of big big sons. So those guys are always good to look at. And then just getting a chance to talk to Jabbar Muhammad. You know, we talk to a lot of football players, and some really really stand out with their personalities and uh, their intelligence. And uh, Jabbar Muhammad's one of those guys. Good, good guy. And when he was talking, uh, he got heckled by he got heckled by a freshman. I'm sure there's going to be a price to be paid for that while he was doing the interview. But um, it's good to be back amongst the guys. Tomorrow uh, is an off day for here, uh, uh, up here. But then Saturday, I believe we get offensive players and yep. coaches. And then um, Sunday, we get Coach DeBoer again. Correct? 
I think that's right. I think you're right. Um, yeah. So just so and, and, and Saturday yeah, and Sunday. Offensive coach, yeah, DeVore's on Sunday. Saturday, Saturday and Sunday should be padded practices, not not full pads. Full pads. Full would pads would be on Tuesday. Tuesday. Just a couple things. Uh, best promo of the year goes till nine o'clock tonight. Seventy-five percent off your annual subscription. You're not going to find a better promo all year with everything that's going on. You want to keep it tuned to Dogman.com. Again, and I don't say this enough, if you're just looking at the front page of dogman.com, that's not where the good stuff is. you got to hit the forums and go down to the hardcore football, hardcore basketball, hardcore recruiting stuff. That's where the good stuff is. So just make sure to pay attention to that. Haven't done this in a while either. If you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, uh, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, and we'll get those in your inbox. So, Should I rename the promo, the Big Ten promo? No. No. Not yet. (laughs) All right. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenelson with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. (laughs) 